Good morning and welcome to the latest episode of the Harney's Take 10 podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew Thorpe and I head up the disputes and insolvency team in the BVI. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Olga Osachaya, who is counsel in our team. And of course, by Peter Ferrer, partner and co-global head of disputes. Hi, Andy. Hi, Olga. Good morning. Now, this week sees the start of the BDI Arbitration Week. Uh, lots of exciting speakers and topics lined up, and including Peter, who will be speaking later on this week. Arbitration has made a real impact in the BDI over the last few years, um, since the enactment of the Arbitration Act and, and also the opening of the dedicated centre. Peter, just to pick on you first, what, what really sets BDI arbitration apart from, say, resolving disputes in, in London pursuant to other rules? Well, I think there is a real difference, actually, between the way in which the Act was set up and certainly the English Act, because the, the BVI has adopted the UNSA trial model law pretty much in, in its entirety. So, so I think what they did when, they, when the drafters were looking, they looked at different models around, around the globe, particularly France, um, Sweden, New York, um, and thought, to what extent should there be court intervention? Should there be any court intervention at all? Or, or should it be all uh, dependent on, on simply the tribunal and the arbitrators deciding? Or should there be some access? And as English lawyers, lawyers will know, Section 67, 68 and 69 of the English Arbitration Act allows for an approach to the English courts in certain circumstances. Not that uh, they've been particularly successful over the last 20 odd years, but, but nevertheless, there is that possibility. Whereas in under the BVI Act, you have to opt in to have those equivalent there's a Schedule 2, which, which essentially replicates Section 68 and 69 of, of the English Act. And that's a real difference. The, the other real difference, actually, is, is on interim relief, because you only get one shot. So if a decision of the first instance judge in support of arbitration, which would be the equivalent of Section 44 under the, the English Act, you don't have any opportunity to go to the higher courts on appeal. It is literally one, one shot, and that's it. And it's, it's down to the judge to decide whether or not the, the relief should be granted or not. And so there are some real differences between the, uh, the provisions. Thanks, Peter. That's great. And um, just picking up on, um, on court supervision, traditionally the BVI is an incorporation jurisdiction and we've provided a considerable amount of arbitration support, especially in the forms of interim relief and, and, and enforcement. Olga, let, let's, let's look at injunctions for a moment. How does the BVI Act deal specifically with interim relief? So the BVI Act grants wide powers to the courts to provide all the assistance you would expect to foreign arbitrations, whether it be before a tribunal is constituted or upon enforcement. Enforcement, of course, is a very important aspect to users of arbitration, and this jurisdiction is, is very friendly in that regard. The BVI Arbitration Act makes it very easy to enforce both convention awards and others in a smooth process. Uh, it is, in fact, a, an ex parte process that you can follow without, therefore, giving anyone notice. And uh, a neat trick that uh, can be done in a wrap-up application for enforcement is to apply for provisional charging order over the shares of the companies, of the BVI companies incorporated here, which is a step that award creditors uh, would welcome and uh, one that results rather quickly in a very robust order. Well, that's, that's great news for award creditors. So at the same time that you register um, an award in the BVI, for a foreign arbitration award, 
You can also seek effective security on that award by um, a provisional charging order in one wrapped up application, which is a really efficient way of dealing with enforcement. Um, certainly the first steps. Um, Olga, uh, this week the uh, Supreme Court gave some important guidance on the applicability of appropriate laws in enforcement of arbitrations. Olga, can you, can you just take us to that quickly, please? That's right. We're talking about the Kebab GSAL uh, and Cout Food Group judgment that came out on the 27th of October. Just by way of brief background, uh, the appellant claimant is a company that owned a, a number of rights in relation to a, a Lebanese food restaurant concept that it then franchised out to a number of clients. One of them was uh, a company called al that signed a franchise agreement uh, with them and opened a number of branches of the restaurant in Kuwait. And about four years into the 10-year franchise agreement, it underwent a corporate restructure such that it became 100% subsidiary of uh, company KFG, which is um, Cout Food Group. A dispute arose and Arbitration proceedings in Paris were commenced by the claimant against KFG only, not al The franchise agreement between the claimant and al contained an arbitration clause, and it was governed by, Eng- by English law. At the final hearing of the arbitral tribunal in Paris, they decided that it must apply French law as the law of the seat of the arbitration to determine whether KFG was bound by the arbitration agreements in the franchise agreement. Mm, but which English I think that was law, Paris ICC, wasn't it? That's right. Mm-hmm. But English law to the question of whether KFG had acquired substantive rights and obligations under the franchise agreement. And applying those decisions, it decided that KFG was a party to the arbitration agreement. And applying English law, it decided that it had become so by way of novation by addition whereby it became an additional party to the franchise agreement alongside al by reason of the party's conduct. And that French position, sort of they're very pro-arbitration. And ultimately, what did the Supreme Court decide then on the uh, the enforcement issue? The Supreme Court decided that the law that is applicable to the question of whether KFG was party to the arbitration agreement was English law, because that is the law that governed the underlying contract in which the arbitration agreement lived. Therefore, the claimant ended up with a French New York Convention award that could not be enforced in the UK. When I read the case, it sort of reminded me of a Dulla case from 10 years ago, which essentially was, was very similar, although there was a clearly a different approach to the way in which uh, French law was applied because of the English court applying French law said they, they weren't um, party. Although I think um, in France, there was a different view taken by the, by the French lawyers. Mm. I think also the key factor in that case that it had a no oral modification clause. So there was nothing in writing. So they, so whatever the conduct, whether there had been anything by by way of conduct, there was nothing in writings which would be prevented by the by the previous terms of the contract. That's right. Yeah, quite a cautionary tale for case management as well within arbitrations because I think that could all have been dealt with as a preliminary preliminary issue rather than the party having to arbitrate for, for months on end uh, only to, to end up with an unenforceable award. Back to bright and sunny BVI away from the cloudy Supreme Court of England and Wales. Peter, did you want to discuss a little bit about what forthcoming events we've got this week in arbitration? 
Yeah, we've got a great lineup, actually. We, we have keynote speech, the, the Dr. Archibald uh, Memorial Lecture, which actually will be in person and online, I think, has been given by the first female Chief Justice uh, of the Eastern Caribbean Supreme Court, Dame Janice Pereira. We also have great in the goods from the arbitration world, from, from the States, from the UK and from Europe. Uh, attending there's there's going to be some interesting debates in relation to third party funding also in relation to enforcement of investment treaty arbitrations and the hot topic of arbitrating trust disputes which is something which is going to be of particular relevance to the caribbean and and how how the proposals to bind beneficiaries um will will work so all in all it's um great lineup that we have coming up this week thank you peter and thank you olga and thank you for listening to the podcast and we look forward to you joining us at the BDI Arbitration Week. It's virtual and it's free and the link is attached to this podcast. <laughs>